You know, sometimes it is hard to see the joy in the midst of the brokenness, especially during times like this week when we have been filled with all types of anxiety. And no matter where you have been this week, no matter what you've been going through, no matter where your travels have taken you, this has been a week, I guarantee you, that has been filled with anxiety in your life. Whether you were touched by the storms that took place on Tuesday, maybe it was the elections that went on, maybe you were involved in that, maybe it's all of this talk about viruses and everything that you're reading it leaves you shaken, it leaves you stirred, and it adds to the emotional stress that you have as an individual. It also adds to the emotional stress that we feel, you know, as a congregation. And for good reason, our personalities have been transformed to, to one part Chicken Little and one part Eeyore, where we begin to think, you know what, the sky is falling, and it is falling disproportionately on me. Because with each social media post with with every news alert, with all the water cooler conversations, we, we get a spike in our anxiety meter. And have you ever been to Walmart lately? Have you tried to go and find some, some, some wipes, right? Have you tried to find some Lysol? I mean, good luck, right? Getting any type of hand sanitizer. By the way, I have a special bargain on that today. If you need some, just come see me afterwards. I've got some hand sanitizer for the low, low price of... You'll just have to wait and see. But you know, our anxiety meter is on overload and it causes us to live in this world of what ifs. Fear, well, well fear sees a threat, but, but our anxiety imagines threats. And we begin to say, well, what if my person doesn't get elected? And, and what if there's more storms? What if the coronavirus ends up in Chattanooga? And this anxiety just becomes a tidal wave of what if after what if? What if I don't, well, what if I don't close the deal? And what if I don't get the bonus? And what if we can't afford braces for our kids? And, and what if my kids then have crooked teeth? And, and what if crooked teeth keep my kids from having friends or a career or a spouse? And what if my kids then end up hungry and homeless and holding a cardboard sign that reads my parents couldn't afford braces for me? I mean, what if? Fear screams, get out, and anxiety ponders, what if? Fear tells you to stop when you hear the coils of a rattlesnake. Anxiety, well, anxiety tells you to never, ever, for the rest of your life, walk barefoot in the grass because somewhere, sometime, there might be a snake. That's what anxiety does to us. We freeze. We can't move. It's because anxiety comes from an interesting family of words. A family of words that express tightness, narrowness, and suffocation. The great grandfather is a Greek word meaning throat or to press together. And it was used to talk about the yokes that would go around the necks of slaves. And anxiety takes us by the throat and it suffocates and it enslaves us so that we no longer live by our terms. Now our anxiety calls all the shots. The same sense of anxiety as a constraint is reflected in the Old Testament. You read through different psalms and you see, you see how the psalmist frequently used a word that was tazar. It's translated in English often as distress or human distress. 
Psalm 18, 6, in my distress, I called upon the Lord to, to my God. I cried out for help. You, you've read this word a lot in your Bibles. You might not have realized it, but you have. And Tazar literally means narrow space. Narrow space. It's from a word family that means to tie up, to bind, to narrow. And if you haven't noticed, our world is getting more and more narrow. And it's becoming harder and harder to breathe. Maybe some of you already today, you have felt that tightness. Maybe you came in here with it. Maybe it has been growing since, since we began our worship together. You just find it harder and harder to catch a breath, harder and harder to, to focus. If that's you, you need to understand you're not alone. The United States is now the most anxious nation in the world. Every year, nearly 50 million Americans feel the effect of panic attacks or phobias or, or other anxiety disorders. Our chests tighten up and we feel dizzy and we feel lightheaded. We're, we fear crowds. We try to avoid people. And these anxiety disorders, well, you know, they're the number one mental health problem among women and the second only to alcohol and drug abuse among men. It's an epidemic within our country. It's not the coronavirus. It's not all of these different things that you hear about that, that are ravaging the people of the world or this nation. It's anxiety. That's what's killing us. That's what's taking control of us. People of each generation in the 20th century, get this, are three times more likely to experience depression than people of the preceding generation. Okay, so that means that the youngest among us are the most anxious among us. The average child today exhibits the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient did in the 1950s. Try to wrap your mind around that and think about what anxiety is doing to us. You might be surprised to learn that the citizens of other countries actually enjoy more tranquility. They do. They experience one-fifth the anxiety level of Americans despite having fewer of the basic necessities that, that we all think we have to have in order to have less anxiety in our lives. And, and what's more, when these less anxious developing world citizens immigrate to the United States, guess what? They tend to become more anxious. They do. They begin to become more anxious just as just as you and I do. There's something about the particular way of life that we have that's making us less calm and less composed. And so you start looking around and going, well, where are all these anxieties coming from? I mean, after all, aren't we more safe now than probably at, at any other time in our nation's history? So, so what gives? I mean, people are living longer. They're enjoying life more than maybe at other times. What is it? Some researchers have speculated that the Western world's environment and social order have changed more in the last three, uh, 30 years than they have in the previous 300. So if you're someone who is like, you know, it just seems like everything is changing. I, 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 I don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next, and it seems like what I recognize today, I, I, I don't recognize, you know, tomorrow. It's not your imagination. Over the last 30 years, there's been just, it's been an enormous amount of change. Uh, 
Just think about the impact that technology has had on your life and the change that has gone on recently. With the existence of the internet, changes and new threats are imported into our lives every few seconds thanks to our smartphones and our tablets, our televisions, the computer screens. And so we're always hearing about global warming and, and terrorist attacks and, and viruses and, and, and you name it. Everything that could cause us problems, everything that could come to our doorstep, we're hearing about it nonstop, 24-7. In our grandparents' generation, there could be an earthquake in Nepal and people might find out about it a few days later. Maybe. In our parents' day, the nightly news with Walter Cronkite communicated the catastrophes. And now we get it in a matter of minutes. We barely process one crisis before all of a sudden we hear about another one. And what are we supposed to do? Because it's just anxiety on top of anxiety on top of anxiety. And we also are moving faster than ever before. Our ancestors traveled as far as a horse or camel could take them during the daylight hours. But us, man, we jet through time zones as if they were neighborhood streets. You can wake up on one side of the country today and eat lunch on the other side just a little bit later. Our great-grandparents turned in when the sun went down, but us, man, we turn on cable news or we turn on Colbert or Fallon and we turn on the latest survival show and, and, and we're just constantly having information overload and it's causing us to become more and more anxious. And should I even bring up the fact that you're getting older and that last week Sean told everybody they're going to die? Hey, if you weren't here last week, be sure and go back. Sean had a great message last week as he wrapped up our, our big series and he kicked it all off by reminding everybody that we're dying. Yeah, uh, youth ministers always uplift people. I mean, they just build them up. That's what we have for our children here. Um, yeah, so you're dying. You're getting older. And with, with age comes a bucket list of changes. And all of this just adds up, and we become anxious people living in a world of what-ifs. And so we have to ask ourselves, does being a follower of Jesus, does being a follower of Jesus impact this at all? Should people who follow Jesus live differently? Should we have a different perspective? Should we, should we look at all of the different problems and the chaoses of the world? Should we look at this through a different lens, maybe? What impact does following Jesus have on our anxious life? Well, in one way, it makes us feel more guilty. Let me explain. If you've grown up in a Christian community, you've probably been told over and over how the Christian life is to be one of peace. And then you don't have peace. And then you have a week like you've just had, or, or a month, or, or a year, or, or maybe you've had a decade and so, therefore, you assume that the problem must lie with you because Christians are peace-filled people, right? And so now you feel anxious. Not only do you feel anxious, but you feel guilty. And that makes you feel more anxious, which makes you feel more guilty, which makes you feel more anxious. And the result is this downward spiral of worry and guilt and, and worry and guilt. But I'm thankful that the Apostle Paul steps into all this and he gives us an anchor, I believe, that we can hold to when we begin to spiral out of control. Now, at first, when you see this, you're going to think, all right, some anchor, all right? 
some anchor because Paul has this Paul has this pie in the sky idea on how I'm supposed to live and I just don't I just don't see this okay but hang in there with me when you see this verse Paul wrote to a group of Christians you can find it in your Bibles in Philippians chapter 4 and he said this do not be anxious about anything whoo great I feel better already how about you guys right hey somebody just cough in my face I am ready that's right. No anxiety here. I've got this great Bible verse, right? Do not be anxious about anything. You know, if he had said just be less anxious, that would have been a big enough challenge. Or be anxious only on Thursdays. Wouldn't you like that? Right? You get one day of anxiety. Thursdays. That's going to be it. That's the day that you can fall apart. You can go to pieces. But thank God it's Friday right around the corner and you be anxious for nothing. Paul doesn't give us these options, however. He doesn't say be anxious only in seasons of pain. He doesn't say uh, be, be anxious, you know, only when you're young. And let's just be honest, his direction seems a little naive. Be anxious for nothing. Is that really what he meant? Well, not exactly. Paul wrote this phrase in his language of choice in what's known as a present active tense. And it implies an ongoing state. It is the life of continual worry and dread that he addresses here. You see, God does not want you to live a life of perpetual anxiety. There are going to be moments where anxiety is going to creep in, where all of a sudden these what-ifs are going to start spinning in our head. But God, it is not his will that we live a life where we're just continually worrying, where we're just daily filled with anxiety upon anxiety. It's not, it's not his will for you to face every day with fear and dread. He made you for more than a life of breath-stealing worry, and he has something better for you in mind. So, so that's why... In, in the midst of telling people, hey, listen, be anxious for nothing, Paul also says this, starting back in verse 4 of Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Here it is, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Those of you that like to read books on Kindle, you might have already heard this, but the Bible is Kindle's most highlighted book. Okay, the Bible is Kindle's most highlighted book, and Philippians 4, 6 through 7 is the most highlighted passage. It is. More people around the world, when they open up Scripture, highlight this verse. More than John 3.16, more than Psalm 23, which we read earlier, this is the verse that people focus in on. This is the verse that grabs people's attention. Why? Because we are so filled and overcome with anxiety. We need a message from the Lord that speaks to our heart that says, this is not how you have to live. There is something more. So here's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. We're going to seek calm in the midst of the chaos. 
We're going to go to this most highlighted passage. We're going to go to Philippians 4. We're going to start in verse 4. We're going to add in verse 8 just for good measure. And we're going to seek some calmness. And we're going to celebrate God's goodness together. We're going to rejoice in the Lord. We're going to ask for God's help. Paul says, you present your request to God. We're going then to leave our concerns with him. He says, you present these requests to God and you do it with thanksgiving. Why are you thankful? Because you know that God hears the prayers and he works and he answers. And then we're going to meditate on some good things. He said, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, you think about things such as these. You think about these things. Don't, don't, don't think about all the negativity. Don't think about everything that's falling apart. Don't think about the sky that's falling. That's not where your focus needs to be. And so we're going to seek some calm in Philippians 4, 6, 4, 6, 7, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. So I hope that you're going to be able to come back and, and share some time with us as, as we walk through these verses together. You see, with God at our side, Max Licato says that we, we can sleep better tonight and smile better tomorrow. He writes, you'll, refra- you'll reframe the way that you face your fears. You'll, you'll learn how to talk yourself off the ledge, view bad news through the lens of God's sovereignty, discern the lies of Satan and tell yourself the truth. You will discover that a life that is characterized by calm and you'll discover what it means to face an onslaught of anxiety. Now look, I don't want anybody to get the idea here this morning that that all of our anxiety is just waved away using God as some kind of a genie inside of a magic lamp. That if you say these words just right, that everything's going to go away. You know, if you pray, pray these specific prayers, if you, if you do this certain penance, God doesn't work that way. He's, he's not a genie that we just say, God, this is what I want and I expect you to do it. And he, and he works in so many different, different ways. And God's healing could include for you the help of therapy or, or other medication. And if that is your path, please hear me. Do not feel as if you are in some way damaged goods. In some way, you do not have faith as strong as someone else. Instead, ask God to lead you to a qualified counselor or physician who can provide the treatment that you need. Allow God to work on his time and in his ways. And you need to understand this. If you're someone who's sitting in here and you've just been already twiddling, kind of twiddling your thumbs thumbs nervously, anxiety is not a sin. It's an emotion. So don't be anxious about feeling anxious. Now you need to know that anxiety can lead to sinful behavior. I mean, when we numb our our fears with alcohol or, or food or hard drugs or relationships, we are sinning. And if your anxiety leads you to abandon your spouse or to, to have a fling in the office or neglect your kids or to break covenants or break hearts, then beware because Jesus said, look, you've got to be careful because your hearts are going to be weighed down with the anxieties of life. And so while it is not a sin to feel anxious, that anxiety can lead us to step outside of God's direction and to go places that he says, you don't need to be. This is not what you need to be doing. This is not who I made you to be. And so we got to ask ourselves, do I have a heart that is weighed down by worry? 
I want you to look for these warning signs. Are you finding that you laugh less than you once did? Do you see problems? Do you see problems in every promise? Well, would those who know you now best describe you as increasingly negative and critical? Do you just naturally assume that bad things are going to happen? Do you delude and downplay good news with a dose of your own version of reality? Most days, would you rather stay in bed than, than get out of bed? Do you magnify the negative and do you dismiss the positive? And given the chance, would you just avoid any interaction with humanity for the rest of your life? If you could, just lock me away and I would feel so much better. You know, if you answered yes to most of these questions, then anxiety is pressing life's breath out of you. Now, remember earlier I said that there was a, there was a word in the Hebrew Bible, Tzar, that talked about how that it was a narrow space. Remember that? Well, well there is an, an antonym of Tzar, and it's Yasha, and it signifies open space. There are times in your Bibles that Yasha is also translated as salvation because salvation is freeing and salvation opens you up into the, into the world of God. Verses like Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my Yasha, my salvation, my open space, it says. So whom shall I fear? Yasha is also the base word of the name Yeshua. Jesus. You see, God's answer to our breathless anxieties is to provide us room to breathe in his wide open kingdom. See, the kingdom of this world, this life that we live in, man, there's going to be bad news and there are going to be viruses and there are going to be sicknesses and there are going to be disasters and there's going to be pain and that all is going to produce anxiety. But through Jesus Christ, God has said, I want you to step into the wide open, the wide open space of my kingdom. I want you to learn what it's like to do life in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the storm. So that you can say, you know what, so what? What if cancer comes and cancer is terrible? but it cannot divorce me from the kingdom of God. And what if you lose your job? And I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but unemployment doesn't change the fact that you're part of the kingdom of God. And what if your retirement is worth far less today than it was five months ago or five years ago? Your inheritance in the kingdom of God has not been touched. And we might have to say goodbye to family members but we remain in the kingdom of God. And there, there's going to continue to be natural disasters that come with little warning, but our standing in the kingdom of God will stand undamaged. And guys, we might contract the flu or the chicken pox or coronavirus or whatever that new contagion might be. I mean, half of you thought you were going to die because of Y2K. But I'm not going to lose sleep over any of these things. And I don't want you to lose sleep over them either. Because we woke up today in the wide open space of the kingdom of God. And in a world of what ifs, 
There is one certainty that, guys, you can take to the bank. No matter what the future holds, our God holds the future. So wash your hands, but don't let your heart be troubled. Let's stand and give him praise.